Oh, hang on one second. Oh, okay. okay. I think this should still be in the Hello? show. But then you hit record and you're out the door anyway. Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on Ray. The back oh thanks yeah it, it was pretty fun it's like uh uh we like i said uh we'd uh gone down there for the wedding which was which was great of course and apparently um i just saw that uh jeremiah and chris the uh, happy couple just got back so from their honeymoon uh they went all around the uk and uh like lots of cool places that they wanted to go i i'm hoping that they got to go to port Marion, which is where the prisoner was shot I mean, the, the show, not an actual prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of uh, thought that was what you meant. Yeah, I, I just thought I'd clarify just because I kind of realized that, uh, you know, where the prisoner was shot kind of has a couple of different meanings. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's funny because I'd actually been to Port Marion once before, before I'd ever even seen the prisoner. And it's a really weird place. Like, like, basically, if, like, have you guys seen The Prisoner? Bits and pieces. Uh, Andrew, have you seen The Prisoner? Or? I have not seen The Prisoner. Oh, okay. I was just taking a vitamin, so. Oh! <laughs> I was trying to answer your question mid-swallow. <laughs> and then you, like, good thing you didn't choke and, you know, because that, then it'd be a, another, we'd have to get in another guest on short notice, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've not seen The Prisoner. Okay, it's. Brilliant show from the 60s. Um, Patrick McGowan, like, I, I cannot recommend it enough. But, like, part of it is that, like, it takes place in this place called The Village, which in real life is Port Marion. Uh, and it it's just this really creepy, surreal place. And as it turns out, like, Port Marion is kind of the same way, just without the, like, the sinister edge. But it's it still has this really surreal feel to it. Hmm. But so I, I'm uh, I'll have to you know picture Jeremiah's brain once he actually you know gets off of uh, jet lag and all that fun stuff. But the rest of Portland was great too. Like uh, I think it was like basically like one of the first things that we did other than the wedding was uh, Powell's of course, which is um, for everyone who doesn't know, which I hope isn't too many people out there, but it's like a gigantic bookstore. It's like a full city block and it's like about five floors. Wow. And, and yeah. it's just all books. So it's Portland's version of the Strand. Basically, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I, and I'm not sure, I like, I'm not sure who's bigger, the Strand or Powell's. I think the Strand is bigger, but I think it's like, I think like Powell's is like the biggest bookstore on like uh, this side of the Mississippi, I think. But, but yeah. It's Either huge. way, I'm gonna have to check it out when I'm out there. Oh God, yes, yes. Like it's, and, and I mean, it's something that you probably want to take a day for. It's it's kind of funny. Like uh, uh, Quinn and I both like got like a whole ton of books, and it turned out that like Quinn had gone over her budget for the entire trip that one day at Powell's. Damn. 
<laughs> so yep. I, I I got a whole bunch of cool stuff. And then, like, actually right next to Powell's, there's um, a zine store that, like, Quinn loved. Um, God, I don't remember the name of the zine store. But then right next to the zine store is a place called Counter Media, which was just amazing because it's like uh, the the first half is all sort of, like, like underground comics and stuff like that. And the other half is kind of more, like, porn, but more, like, kind of cult porn, I guess. Like, it's, like, like she found, like, one of those, like, really hilarious, like, old, like, pulp paperbacks from the 70s. So, I mean, I don't I don't want you to think that it's just, like, you know, porn porn, but it's, you know, arty porn, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I stayed in the the comic side because, like, it was, like, funny, just as I was about to go down, like, uh, someone uh, came in and was asking about, like, Robert Crumb, and so I, you know, I ended up, like, selling uh, two books to the guy, even though I don't work there. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the, the, the thing that, like, I basically was, like, like floored by is, like, uh, if you didn't gather, I, I'm a huge comic nerd, and especially with the, the, the arty, you know, undergroundy, pretentious comics, and I actually found an issue of Raw there, which, um, if you don't know what Raw is, it's the um, magazine that was edited by uh, Art Spiegelman and Francois Mouly, and it's, like, one of the most influential, like, uh, comics magazines and graphics magazines of the 80s. Uh, Mouse, you know, the uh, Spiegelman's Mouse, um, was serialized in Raw, um, if you ever watched like Liquid Television on MTV, just about everyone there who who did a cartoon worked on Raw <laughs> or like contributed to Raw, and it's just like like there's like a bunch of stuff from Gary Panter in there. It's just amazing, and it's also very hard to find issues anymore because you know it's they're all you know pushing thirty years old now, and it's you know they're very rare, very expensive. I actually found one for like. $40, which was, like, really cheap for a Raw. And so I was like, oh, my God, not only have I got to see one in the flesh, it's mine. <laughs> so I, I guess this isn't, like, a crush on comics. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that could be a spinoff one of these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, like, e- even if just finding the Raw made, like, the trip wonderful, but the rest of the trip was wonderful, too. They, like, did, you know, uh, Oaks Park was a like a really old um, amusement park from like 1905 that we went to. And we also stayed with like um, a couple of our friends, uh, Asa and Kotra, who were awesome. There's like really awesome, cool people. We were down there for the 4th of July. So we got to see the uh, Portland uh, fireworks thing from like uh, Kotra's sister's like high rise apartment, (laughs) (laughs) deluxe apartment in the sky. So it was, it was a great trip. Nice. Yeah, we missed you, but we had some great guests fill in. Yeah, I, I, I did uh, listen to those episodes. So, yes, I, I'm i up to date. But, yeah, they they were great episodes. It's like, I was all like, oh, man, they're not going to want me back now. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny nah. you mentioned that because uh, we actually are bringing John back in as a full-time. So, uh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm going to hang up on you now. No, I'm going <laughs> Controversy and scandal. <laughs> I, I should be not. I, I, I sh- I'm, I'm shitting with you, but I, I, I do want to get John back on with with you on too, Matt, because I think you and him would have a lot of fun together. Yeah, that sounded like a fun episode. 
And I think this one's going to be a fun one, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got some very interesting picks. <laughs> to be, yeah. To be diplomatic. To be diplomatic To be diplomatic. To be diplomatic. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the diplomacy episode. Mm-hmm. I'll let you start, Matt, because uh, you're back. You're okay. Um, and, and it's kind of funny that I like I didn't think about this when I chose it, but the the guy who turned me onto my pick, uh, which is Frank Chicken's Club, it was his birthday on Saturday. So happy birthday, Sasha. Uh, it's not actually why I picked it, but it just like synchronicity, you know. Mm. But anyway, uh, the the record I chose, as I said, is uh, Club Monkey by Frank Chicken's, um, and they're a like just a really great uh, kind of avant-garde, uh, more like theater act actually from the, uh, from England, and uh, it's uh, basically uh, Casco Hokey is uh, the the hub of the band, and she you know it's like it's had lots of lineups, including like on the first record, her backing band was like David Toop and Steve Beresford from you know General Strike, uh, Flying Lizards. Lots of really great acts, and I know like David Toop has written some like really great books on music, and like Steve Beresford is like I think gone into more like uh, traditional closing, I think. So yeah, on the on the Peel session that was for uh, or, or right around anyway, uh, Club Monkey, uh, it was uh, Fred Hood on drums, Justin Adams on guitar and vocals, uh, Grant Cunliffe on programming, uh, David Harrow on synths and sampling, Clive Bell on accordion, flute, and whistle, and Clive uh, also, I think Clive and Grant Cunliffe produced the record. And then at least on this this Peel session is Jaw Wobble on bass from uh, Public Image Limited. So that's that's pretty cool, I think. I, I don't remember, I don't think he's on, on the actual record, but um, yeah. Like he might be on a couple of tracks. I can't. I can't remember. I didn't notice his particularly distinctive bass. So uh, probably not then. Yeah, because <laughs> he's he does have a very distinctive sound. If you ever listened to say Metal Box. Hmm. Yeah. And um, anyway, though, I guess I, we might as well like play a little bit of it. Though uh, this is a little bit of uh, Mych. I guess the the thing to know about this record is that it's it's um, well for one uh, unfortunately this is the the remix version of the album because uh, they've I don't think they've ever actually released the original mix on CD I have I have the original mix on LP and I honestly think it's a lot better but um, it's it's not hugely drastically different but it just seems I don't know not not quite as good but it's close enough um, and. and uh, Mych is pretty pretty much the same mix, more or less, as on the on the original LP. Um, but it's uh, a it's a concept record, or or more of a, a musical soundtrack, because it was a um, one of her play Casco uh, uh, Hokie's plays, and it's the story is basically an allegory of imperialism from the occupied's point of view, 
And there's like a, on the back of the sleeve, there's a brief story and I'll just read it because it's very short. The story behind the monkey king. Once upon a made up time, there were monkey people who were happily organizing parties in club monkey, collecting dead bodies, burning them and reviving them as kianchis or Chinese ghosts. Their favorite drug was dog. Then the English Lord took power and banned the use of dogs and made up some laws to oppress the monkey people. The monkey people started to dream of revolution and the reincarnation of the monkey king, their savior. Will he be like Jackie Chan, the famous Hong Kong Kung Fu film star? And it's funny, too, because this album came out in, like, uh, 1988 before Jackie Chan really, like, became the huge worldwide star that he is now. Mm. So that's a little early, I guess, for them, which is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 I won't go through, like, how, how the story works through the album, but, I mean, that's kind of basically the, you know, the gist of it. And I, I think one of the things that I like about Frank Chicken so much is... Well, not only do they have a really great sound, typically, but they're a very satirical band. Like, a lot of their stuff is about uh, both race in England and feminism. Uh, like, uh, th- th- this album is more more on race, and it kind of... And they've always played with uh, stereotypes. Like, I mean, like, the, you know, the, the dogs is drugs thing has always been one of those, like, you know, stupid racist Asian things about, you know, oh no, Asian people are going to eat our dogs or, or, you know, know, that kind of thing. And on one of the other records, there's uh, um, a song where there, it's basically like this, it's a rap about, you know, all of the, um, the stereotypes that they have against about uh, Japanese people. Like, and a lot of them are, you know, the more, quote unquote positive stereotypes like uh, one of the lines is you know and yellow sex is just amazing you know it's, you know there's that kind of you know fetishization of the other and one of the one of the lines that I always liked is uh you think we are full of zen but we'd prefer m- lots of yen <laughs> nice so um so yeah it's like a and that that's on a get chicken eyes which is more of a normal straight up album um but uh, Club Monkey was my first exposure to Frank Chickens, and it made me like just completely like fall madly in love with them to the point where like Sasha didn't even really get it, and he just gave me the record <laughs> instead of like loaning it to me, like like he was originally going to do. He was just like, "Okay, you love this thing way too much. You can just have it." <laughs> so, um, what did you guys think? <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Um, I liked it quite a bit. I thought the music was very interesting, and um, I think the vocal, I found the vocals to be a little bit less accessible than the music, um, but I still thought I thought it was really good. I enjoyed uh, M-Y-T-H, and I enjoyed most of the songs, actually. I thought they, they grooved well, they sounded really good, and um, I thought it was a pretty good record. I don't know if I would, if I'm going to have the urge to go back and like, oh, I really want to put on some Frank Chickens right now. But um, I really enjoyed it while I was listening to it. And it kind of reminded me of something that Quentin Tarantino would put as like uh, would put in one of his movies as like part of the soundtrack, um, probably like in Kill Bill or something, just with the the whole Asian motif with the uh, with the good music underneath it. So I thought it was very quite enjoyable. I, I tend to think that uh, the vocals are sometimes the one problem with like uh, Frank Chickens, like uh Kazku Hoki has the lower voice and mm-hmm. I love her voice but her uh 
various like uh, vocal partners can tend to get a little screamy sometimes. Yeah, and that like I typically find them a little a little on the annoying side. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, but still, it kind of it it fits at the same time. I think it's also unfamiliar to me. Like I don't listen to too many um, female Asian vocalists, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know. This was interesting. I well, first of all, I had no idea what the concept was because I, I couldn't make heads or tails of what was going on on here. I, this is a very <laughs> what the fuck experience. Um, but I did recognize. I, I know you threw Mych on a on a mix CD that you gave me way back when. Yeah, I, I find that that's like, you know, I mean, it's not only really rocking, but it's also I think one of the more accessible tracks. Yeah, and it and yeah. it was it was. Um, yeah, it was on, uh, oh, goodness, uh, I'm a wound and a sword, a victim and an executioner. Right, is, right. Which is all the a bunch of uh, foreign release stuff that you threw together. Right, yeah, because uh, they're bas- like basically like Frank Chickens, they've never had a record in the U.S. Um, they're, and I actually like asked around a little bit of some of my U.K. friends, and like one of them, like my friend Jenny had no idea who they were at all. Um, my friend Maddie, uh, who, who's awesome and she might be a a good guest too, but, um, Maddie was basically like, yeah, I kind of knew them. And I remember buying one of their records because I liked the cover art, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, cause I, I, cause like my, my hunch is that they were basically thought of as like sort of a one hit wonder, if at all for, um, their first single, which was uh, we are ninja, not geisha. Okay. So, so that's kind of. Yeah, what I was I was kind of thinking and I so I figured, you know, why not actually ask people from England, you know, what you know, if they even know who Frank Chickens are anymore. And yeah, so Well that worked well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically how I how how Sasha got the record is that they had actually done a like a weird like a folk life kind of thing in Vancouver. Uh Vancouver BC, I mean, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And um like they had seen it and really liked it, and Sasha's mom got the record, and which is kind of funny because he had told me this. And between that and the the name of the band being Frank Chickens, like I was a little bit dubious because I basically thought it was going to be you know some you know Fred Penner kind of guy with an acoustic guitar, you know, mm. because you know you don't, when you see a, a band called like Frank Chickens, you don't even really realize it's a band. You think it's some guy, you know. And I was like a little dubious at first, but then I knew that, you know, Sasha, you know, hadn't really steered me wrong and he knew, knew the kind of stuff that I liked. So, you know, we put it on and it was awesome for me. I might have to go give it another try, but I was just so lost. I mean, maybe, maybe if you can, if you have a rip of the original mix, that might work out better. I don't, but I, 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 I do have the LP. I should maybe see if I can get my dad to rip it for me or maybe I'll do it next time I'm over at my folks. Okay. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, dra- like, it's not a drastic difference. I mean, don't, don't think that, you know, it's, you know, you're going to get like a huge. A new experience. Yeah. But I mean, it's like better versions of the, the tracks, I think. Yeah. I just, I th- just remixing um, a whole album and taking the other mix away. It, it always just throws me off. Uh, it was especially if, at least when it's like something drastic, um, Actually, I was having this conversation the other day with someone about the uh, Iggy Pop's Raw Power album. I've not actually checked out the, the difference between Iggy's mix and Bowie's mix, but it's 
I know apparently it's it's pretty pretty distinct. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think we're ready to move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> I approve right. of it, Matt. I'm grooving to Night Drain right now. Oh, okay. well, yeah. I, 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 yeah, and I, um, I'll actually, like, I threw it in the notes, but I, I, um, I wrote up a thing, um, actually, for that thing that um, Rich mentioned, which actually does go through uh, track by track to explain the, the story. Um, so I'm going to put that in. Cool. So mm-hmm. just in case one is, is curious, and I'll... I'll here too but um but yeah just just in case i i didn't want to go through because i've already rambled on for way too long about the record anyway i think so but i i, I love this band so mm-hmm. okay um do you want to go next andrew or sure i can go next okay so my uh, uh pick this week and this is a pick that i was saving for when matt came back because uh, i love it very much and i didn't uh not waste it on a guest, but you know, I wanted to get his take on it. But anyway, so my pick this week is uh, The King of Limbs, which is the latest album by Radiohead. And my my Radiohead, I've tried numerous times because people love Radiohead. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, um, but people love Radiohead. And I don't uh, – I've never really gotten into it. I got in Rainbows back when it came out, um, and I like a, quite a few tracks off of there, um, but I'm, I've never – been to the point of like oh my god this is the most amazing thing ever um and so the king of limbs came out i guess it was last year and uh it came out and i checked it out and i really it took me several listens um but i got to the point where i really love the whole thing and um i'll say a couple things about the record as a whole i just feel like it's very and i don't know completely how it contrasts or compares with other radiohead records but I thought I just love how it's very organic and it kind of the the album art is like a perfect representation of how the album sounds because to me it sounds very organic and alive and even though I guess it's kind of electronic and it's in how it was recorded um but it just feels like it's a a pulsing biological entity um and so I just really like the whole feel of it and I like I enjoy all the songs uh, some a little bit more than others, but I can listen to the whole album all the way through. I like that it's kind of concise. It's only eight uh, eight songs long, and it's about 37 minutes. And uh, I just enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, the track that I chose was Separator, which is the final track, and we'll play that for you guys now. I don't. I don't really have much to say about why I picked this track in particular, uh, other than it's my favorite track on the record, and I just think it's a great um, outro to the whole King of Limbs experience. Um, I feel like there's kind of a, even though it's only eight tracks long, I feel like there's a distinct feel to the first half of the record compared to the second half of the record, and um, I feel like the first four tracks, Bloom, Morning, Mister Magpie, Little by Little, and Feral, are kind of a little bit more electronic and um, kind of groovy almost. And then the last half of the record feels a lot more lyrical and melodic with Lotus Flower and Codex and Give Up the Ghost and Separator. So 
I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm not a, a huge radio fan. I just really love this record, similar to how I feel about um, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots and the Flaming Lips. So I'd like to uh, get your guys' take on it and see what you have to say. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I, I never got into Radiohead. I've given them a couple different tries. Um, yeah, too. This, what, this one most recently. And I really don't think this was the best place to start. Um, you know, the more I think about it, I, I said this to someone else who is, a, who is a Radiohead fan, and this person, even she's not a big fan of King of Limbs, so she she kind of agreed with this assessment that I was listening to King of Limbs felt like I was listening just to two people having a conversation in a language that I can't make heads or tails of, but occasionally they'll drop in one or two words of a language that I do know that's still not my own native language. So like I'm listening to two people speaking Farsi, and I wouldn't know Farsi if I heard it. Only occasionally they'll throw in a word or two of uh, German. So you mean in terms of being able to understand the lyrics or in terms of just like being able to enjoy the album? Being able to enjoy the album. I just couldn't find a way in. Uh, yeah. I did like the second half better once right. the uh, – because the one one thing about the first half of the record more or less was this constant break-based percussion, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, and I found that to be just way too high in the mix, way too intense. And it, it, it bordered on obnoxious actually. And also, I, I, mean, I, I just gave uh, Separator a quick uh, listen while you're talking about it. And I, the, 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 we get it. You, you have a uh, effects processor on your voice. I, I think I, if that's, I know Radiohead's supposed to be big on lyrics. I can't make, make, make out the lyrics through the, uh, effects on them. I don't know. Oh, really? That. Yeah. For hmm. the most part. I mean, I could understand Lotus Flower, but the, the separator's like, yeah, he does do that falsetto type thing a lot, but it's yeah. kind of the, I think it's kind of his thing. Yeah. I mean, it's you know again I have no problem with weird vocalists as you'll find out on my uh, on my pick but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's uh, kind of the theme for the episode isn't it <laughs> Hmm maybe weird I vocalists wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't trying for that I swear <laughs> <laughs> But yeah I just felt really lost with this and it's not giving me much incentive to want to go back and try something again I mm. tried listening I never got through the entirety of OK Computer which is apparently like the the record to check out for yeah. Radiohead. I've and tried to I've go listened. back to OK Computer since, and I haven't been able to do it. Yeah, I, I just, I listened to a couple tracks, and it's something, it sounds like it's something I should like. For the love of God, they've got a song on there called Paranoid Android, which is definitely a reference to one of my favorite books of all time, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm. You know, Marvin the Paranoid Android. Have you, I know Matt's probably read it on that. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I have so, Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, get on that, get You're on, on that. You're on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, t- seriously, I and mean, they're really quick reads, but they're, like, I, I mean, it's like one where, I mean, I, I know I read them in like sixth grade, you know, but I, I don't think it's something that you can ever come to too late. But, but you'll, but yeah, definitely like there's like a omnibus edition of all five parts of the trilogy and totally read yeah. it. All five parts of the trilogy. Huh? Don't ask. Just don't read the sixth <laughs> book uh, by the different author. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I, I've just never understood what everyone sees in this band because I, I put them on. I can because we're t- it sounded like we we're talking about um, Neutral Milk Hotel last week, mm-hmm. and in the I don't get why everyone why so many people are so obsessively in love with uh, Jeff Mangum and in the airplane over the sea, but it's still an okay record. I like it. I'm not gonna. I don't think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, but it's I'll put it on when I want to hear it. Yeah. So I have the same problem with Radiohead except that I can't find what 
it's I don't even think they're pleasurable to listen to. It's just they're ah, I, what am I, what are you people hearing that I'm not? Yeah, I know what you mean. It is kind of hard to find a way in, and even with this record, I had to put it on uh, quite a few times before I kind of understood it because it is can be it can be very ambient, and there's there aren't a lot of hooks or anything, and it it can be very dense and kind of like what I was saying before with the organic imagery. It's like trying to find your way into a very dark, dense forest, you know, and it's kind of murky like that, and it's it's definitely uh, not for everyone. I'm curious to hear what you thought, Matt. Okay, um, I I'm kind of like Rich. I've I've never been a huge Radiohead fan at all, um, but it's like over the God what like twelve fourteen years that they've been around. Yeah. I've kind of like kind of at least like finally kind of sort of got them. Like they're they're not a band that I I really like go out to or anything. But I mean I. Like, I mean, I downloaded, like, uh, In Rainbows when it came out because it was free, you know. Right. I thought that was, yeah. you know. And, like, for me, it's, like, and I know that, like, probably there's, like, someone who's going to, like, facepalm it here. But I, I like the rock records, the first two records that are actually, like, you know, rock. And I think the reason for me is and is that I hate the Tom York wine. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thing that he he always does and it's just like it's like nails on a fucking chalkboard to me i'm just like want to bitch slap him and say sing god damn it yeah uh but um like but i can usually kind of like dig the music around it like i i'm not as like hugely into it like i mean like i thought that johnny greenwood's score to um there will be blood was one of the things i didn't like about that movie i didn't think it fit at all whoa but, I also thought that the thing needed an editor, but uh, I mean the movie. <laughs> like I, I honestly thought that there was like a you know a really bitchin' like hour and a half, two hour movie in that three hour movie. Oh, we're breaking up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of P.T. Anderson anyway. I mean that's like the most enjoyable P.T. Anderson experience I've ever had. But even that was sort of like long doesn't mean profound, dude. <laughs> But then again, I, I I I loathed Magnolia, so I'm probably the wrong guy. Yeah. I don't but, know anything about Paul Thomas Anderson, but I just love that movie. Oh, okay. But um, but yeah, so it's like I don't know, like I I, I don't really wrap my head around like the the hardcore Radiohead love, but I've gone back to them like a, a few times because I really try. I really try to understand it because it's it's one of those things where the people who are into Radiohead are so into Radiohead, it, it makes me feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is though, is that like, because like, I mean, I, I the one that I, I did like other than the rock records was Amnesiac, which was like from the Kid, Kid A sessions. Mm -hmm. But apparently Radiohead fans don't like that record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I guess most of them don't like the King of Limbs either. And this is the uh -huh. one record that's allowed me to enjoy Radiohead. So. Yeah, and I actually enjoyed uh, King of Limbs pretty well, especially the back half like Rich. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually didn't have a problem with the, uh, the, the busted breakbeat kind of thing that, that Rich mentioned. Mm. Um, but I, I like, I liked, um, I thought that, um, separator was one of the best tracks on the record and I loved the uh, drum pattern on it. Yeah. And, and I also really liked the, uh, guitar on a uh, little by little where it's sort of like a, it almost sounds like a 60s surf pop song kind of gone wrong. Yeah. 
but like my my favorite of the record was Codex and with like the really cool processed piano and like lo and behold Tom York's actually fucking singing. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, little by little I think is my least favorite track uh on the record and um but Codex is I mean I think the whole record is quite gorgeous uh, but Codex in particular. Yeah. Yeah, it's but I guess just in general for me and like I've I've talked with like friends about this who hooked me up with like the you know the the rock records which I I do enjoy. I mean, I think like Creep is like a really good pop song. Mm. Um but I just like I've never really made it through OK Computer like so that we're all together on that one. Yeah. And same with Kid A, Kid A. <laughs> I I just and eh. I don't I don't know if I ever listened to Hail uh what was it Hail to the Thief? But one thing I was wondering too is, uh, is this a, one of the uh, concept story records, or is this just kind of a collection of songs? I know that they they do a lot of concept records, and I wasn't sure if this was one of them or. Uh, I'm not a big enough fan to know the answer to that question. To tell you the truth, uh, I think that I know that when it came out, people were speculating that there's going to be more. Uh, sort of like I guess after In Rainbows came out, there was like a an In Rainbows two. That mm. came out afterwards, and I know that some of the fan base was speculating because uh, the refrain at the end of um, "Separator" is "If you think this is over, then you're wrong," which apparently is you know they can be clever like that and have that be a hint that there's going to be a, a sequel to this record. So, but I don't know the answer to your question. Like listening to it, I I, I didn't really suss one out, but I, I wasn't necessarily like paying as close to attention to the lyrics as I should just because again the the Tom York wine is also really hard to understand. Mm. So yeah, I think actually now that you guys have both said that, it reminds me that I did I think the listen that caused me to get this record, I think I read the lyrics as I was as I listened I read all of the lyrics as I was listening to the record and I think that helped uh quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, I think it's uh I really like it. It's a good album to like put on uh to listen with headphones and to kind of just turn the lights off and sort of sink into uh sink into the record. So, I don't know, but I totally get where you guys are coming from because other than this record, I I do not understand the Radiohead. So, tough week. <laughs> so, uh, now I'm really curious to hear what you uh what you folks thought of Perubu because I think eh, it's is... about to get tougher. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> no, fair enough. Fair enough. So my pick this week is uh, Perubu. Uh, the album is Terminal Tower, which is a collection of their first three singles and then some attendant B sides from afterwards. the The first three singles were also collected as a as a EP called Data Panic in the Year Zero. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, they are one of the bands that the from the uh ohio scene the same scene that produced devo and uh the waitresses later on and then a whole bunch and a bunch of other bands that never really made it out of ohio but perubu is probably the second most famous ohio band from uh, the period and i'll just give you a very quick backstory about the uh the first few songs that on the on the the first few singles perubu started out uh as rocket from the tombs which, uh, after they were joined by guitarist Peter Lawner, they somehow exploded, and the wreckage of Rocket from the Tombs formed into two different bands. One was the Dead Boys, who took it, uh, some of the stuff and just went into a more actual punk direction, and the other was Perubu, who took it in the art rock direction. 
And here's Perubu. Uh, figured, I thought the, uh, the most appropriate song on this would be 30 Seconds Over Tokyo, so let's hear a bit of that now. A dark black spider's twisting the sky Reaching twisted claws on every side No place to run, no place to hide No turning back on a suicide ride We have to. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, ow, ow. No, no. We're <laughs> just going to cry a single tear. <laughs> okay. But it makes them strong. <laughs> so, uh, 30 Seconds Over Tokyo clearly was inspired by the uh, the Doolittle Raid and all that. Um, very, very intense, very atmospheric. Um, yeah, this is something a band that was basically a punk band until not long before they recorded this. And you can they have I mean Raven Rock this was even a Rocket from the Tomb song. Mm. So yeah, so it goes back to that proto punk uh band that they started out with. And David Thomas's vocals are clearly not everyone's cup of tea. I'm not gonna lie there. But uh, I think I read somewhere where he sounds like a man trapped in an oboe. <laughs> but I like that. Um so this is it's such an intense song. Uh, so the old, like so most of the songs in the first half of the of the rec, of the uh, Terminal Tower collection are really intense, and I can't get enough of them. And I would love to hear what you folks think. Unless you unless you're gonna like tell me I'm a horrible horrible person, then I don't think I can take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, <laughs> Matt, you go first on this one. Okay, um, I, I've known a little bit of Peru, but I've moaned main the 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 the. I, I I'm <laughs> I mainly have known about them rather than actually having sat down and listened to too much. I remember like um from my old college radio station we had a um it was a Ryko disc promo from the um the it was like a what was it warning bells are ringing I think from like it was like a a promo compilation of like I think a box that they put out. Yeah, probably uh-huh. the Data Panic in the Year Zero box set. Yeah, I think I think that was actually the box set because uh, that was like what threw me because I knew that name. Uh, but when you said it was like basically an EP, I was sort of like, oh well, that can't be it. So I don't know. But anyway, though, it's it's you know. So I had that from the the college radio station because you know I, I ended up like taking that because I knew that we weren't going to play it, you know, and I was curious. Um, and for what it's worth, the vocals didn't bother me at all. Me neither. So okay, okay, because I know that you kind of play them up as like you know. The vocals are weird. <laughs> You're gonna hate them. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to an old episode actually yesterday, and you happened to mention uh, this band, and I was like, "Really? This this is the weird vocal example that you picked?" Because I didn't think it was that bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I I, I didn't really either. Like, um, but um, mostly I enjoyed pure uh, Perubu. I like. They didn't really like you know grab me and kick my ass like I think they kind of have with you, but I I enjoyed them like I actually like I, I for for me though it was kind of funny because like with thirty seconds over Tokyo, I I kind of liked that one but it didn't really grab me but I did I did like the lyrics I mean like the the lyrics on the record are really great, and um like uh, here's one for the out of context files I really liked uh, Final Solution. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, we need to refer. That's the the Per Ubu song, which has yeah. nothing to do with um, Hitler. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where it's sort of like, it's not usually a phrase that you want to say. <laughs> Final solution? Awesome. <laughs> oh, God, we're going to hell. <laughs> but I, I'm, yes, I am talking about the song, not the actual Final Solution, which was horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. That's <laughs> um, uh, Crush on Radio taking a brave uh, anti-Hitler stance. <laughs> Bold. <laughs> but um, I really liked that one. I, I, it was like it was poppier. It was like kind of like you know a lot of really cool hooks and stuff. But I really like I love pop with noise. I, I and there's that's kind of how Final Solution was to me. It was like really like harsh, noisy pop, and I, I like that. And this is just one that like kind of like uh like threw me. And I think it's one of those ones where like it might be only me, but um did either of you get kind of a dead milkman vibe from not happy? You I can't know, say. I've never thought about it. Uh they they've always just sort of occupied two very separate spaces in my mind, but now that you're mentioning it, I have to go back and give that a listen and see if uh, you're see see if you're right. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those ones where it just sounded kind of like some of the 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 later Milkman, kind of the the more uh, Joe Jack kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I'm kind of thinking like kind of uh, not Richard but Dick kind of era. Okay, I'm not really familiar with that era. So. Oh, okay. I, I might. Like, do you have that record? No. Oh, you need that record. I'll hook you up. Okay. It's out of print, so it's I'm not. You know. Like that's gonna stop me. <laughs> I, know, I know, but you know, just 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 to you know. Just to cover our asses here, it was one of the ones that was on like their uh, short-lived Hollywood Records era, hmm. and they did basically that one, which I really like, and Soul Rotation, which I don't really like. So, okay. enough about the Milkman. <laughs> yeah, like just just reference, like the last uh, four tracks, uh, five or yeah, five tracks, I think, are uh, just B sides from stuff they put out after their first album. Mm. So, I have to double check on the specifics of the discography there. Yeah. Okay. So now, how do you say it? Pier Ubu. Pear. Pear. They're pear. they're named they're named after the main character in Alfred Jarry's famous Ubu plays, uh, Ubu Roy. Uh, yeah. Ubu uh, Cuckold and uh, Ubu Unchained. Uh, I don't know what the French version of that is. Um, but uh, they're an early example of French surrealism. Uh. In fact, one of the most recent Pair Ubu projects was a musical adaptation of Ubu Roy. I see. Called, yeah, called Bring Me the Head of Pair Ubu, hmm. which is a really interesting, interesting record. Hmm. I kept saying Pair Ubuntu in my head. <laughs> too, too, much, too much listening to technology podcasts that mention Linux, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> so I listened to so many of those. Um that, that makes me say, though, that, like, I, I wish I were, like, hardcore enough because, like, if I were, I would actually write a version of Ubuntu that was called Pair Ubuntu. <laughs> Could make your millions. Yes. On, on that rich, rich, free source uh, or <laughs> gravy train. Yeah. Yeah. All those open source people are rolling in it. Yeah. Fucking, like, Stallman is, like, you know, billionaire, I bet. <laughs> I really like the name of the album. Terminal Tower. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cl- Skyscraper in Cleveland. Mm. Ah. <laughs> uh, the from. rest of the record, the rest of the record didn't uh, do a whole lot for me. Um, I don't. I. I don't know why. It just. It kind of. Maybe it's because I was listening to it on a bright, sunny summer day, and it was. 
it was very drudgy and exhausting and kind of painful. <laughs> um, I didn't uh, really enjoy 30 Seconds Over Tokyo. Uh, I thought it was very long and... and uh, I don't, but I did enjoy uh, Cloud 149 because there was... I'm going to play it while I'm talking here because I can't remember how any of these songs go. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's a little bit... Uh, it's got a groove to it and kind of has a melody and it's a little bit more upbeat than 30 Seconds Over Tokyo ad nauseum. Um, that's... Uh, yeah, this is good. Dun, 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 dun. But that's all I got. I don't have any. I've tried. Like I gave it probably like two or three listens, and I don't remember how any of the songs go, and I, I don't really care to. Um, <laughs> so I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, it, it was bound to happen. <laughs> it's your fetus. Uh, it is your fetus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Untitled was okay. Hang on. How does this one go? Uh, that's Untitled is a version of a song for their first album called The Modern Dance. So they had this was what I can't my album art is too small here 1975 to 1880 uh, or, no that's 1975 <laughs> to eight, to 1980 typography joke yeah uh, untitled is pretty good too musically you might um yeah if you're honestly willing to give this give the band another try and I don't blame you if you're not but their first <laughs> album the modern dance uh, might be a bit more to your liking uh, at the very least the uh, the song that leads it off non-alignment pact is once you get past the uh, the rather uh, noisy intro, mm-hmm. can is a really rollicking uh, number um, about uh, you know a miserable uh, yeah. Let's try that again. It's a really rollicking you know almost like uh, it's it's as close as they've ever really gotten to proper rock and roll. I think um, just uh, a lit- which is a litany of woes from a failed relationship. Which may not be the most uh, upbeat thing, but it's still a really intense, really great song. Um, another thing, or if you're, if you're not willing to give that a try, they did in the in the '80s put out a string of actual pop-oriented records, which are really weird. Mm-hmm. But for them, I mean, I think the most successful album they ever put out was one called Cloudland. Okay. So, uh, just yeah, do a search on like YouTube for or whatever for Non-Alignment Pact. And if that doesn't work for you, go and look for a song called Waiting for Mary, which is off Cloudland. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I get the, I appreciate the whole experimental thing that they're going for. It's just, um, to me, it's, except for like Cloud 40, Cloud 149 and maybe a couple of others, it's, it's experimental to the part where it's not very musical to me and as such not very listenable. Mm-hmm. Avant Garage is a term <laughs> that they coined. That's, that makes, that fits, I think. Yeah. Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Oh uh, boy. Now we, we we were due for for something like that. So mm. yeah, yeah. That was like I think this is like one of the like like least successful pick rounds, hasn't it been? Because I mean, it's like like I think, geez, I think Frank Chickens might have won, and that's like sort of you know even that you know and that one was just okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that one. That one, like you know, basically, you know, Andrew liked, but you know, <laughs> that was it, you know. And like, I mean, I guess because yeah, it's like the other ones. Like, I think the best was kind of like. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sound like a jerk, but this is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I think you know we need to you know like uh, I I don't know like it was just kind of funny because like I. I mean, I, I had no idea what you guys would think of Frank Chickens. Like, I, I'm honestly surprised that Rich didn't like it as much as I, you know. Like, yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised, too. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, if I had to bet, I would have bet that, like, your reactions would have been swapped. You know, that, like, Andrew, you would have been kind of, eh. And, and Rich would have been like, oh, that's that was pretty cool, you know. But, yeah. I don't know. I think that... Uh, Monkey might have just been throwing me way into the deep end. Mm. I think I mean I would I think we would probably agree that Radiohead is the most mainstream of this week's picks. Oh yeah, um, easily. Not that <laughs> no they're, question. Uh, not that they're mainstream in a bad way, but certainly the most popular, uh, most well known, I should say. Yeah, something and, people have um, heard of. <laughs> they actually have records out in this country. <laughs> right. I know. I thought I like you said, Matt. I thought that Rich was going to enjoy. Uh, Frank Chickens more because I didn't think that I mean other than the vocals you know and it, them being uh, are they Japanese yeah they're um, Japanese um, expats yeah so I didn't uh, other than you know I think that's the most inaccessible part but I thought the music was quite uh, quite groovy and quite enjoyable and quite listenable um, so I thought Rich was going to have an easier time with that so that surprised me and then I didn't think that uh, out of all the things that I've picked and I guess they haven't been t- too out there compared to some of the stuff that you guys have put up but <laughs> I didn't think that um that King of Limbs would go over so badly with you Rich I didn't uh I mean I I agree because I know that I think we're all in the I don't get it camp for yeah. uh for Radiohead but um I didn't think you would dislike it I guess is is a way of putting it um yeah, it's I don't know I know it, it's so weird because it's on paper they're sort of the a band that I would like yeah but again, every time I've given them a try, just I'm like, oh, what? Again, we had, had the same discussion last week with Neutral Milk Hotel. It's like, are you hearing the same thing I'm listening that I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm the same way with Sonic Youth, which a lot of people like can't believe. Like on paper, like Sonic Youth should be like completely like my favorite band. But every time I listen to them, I just kind of go, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a couple Sonic Youth records, uh, specifically uh, Daydream Nation and Goo, and they're okay. Um, they're okay. I don't really play them terribly often, if ever. But yeah. I, I, I also don't have much of a desire to go past that either. Yeah, I, I was actually really disappointed because like, uh, I'm a big um, half-Japanese fan, and they did a. Um, there was a, a band that, that was a Jad Fair and one or two of the guys of Sonic Youth, like... Like, I think it's like Steve Shelley and someone else who wasn't, you know, Thurston or Kim. But um, um, it just it, it, it just wasn't good. <laughs> and it was like it was so frustrating because, I mean, it's like, well, I mean, part of the problem with that record, too, is that like they and a lot of his like later stuff, which bugs the hell out of me, is that they bury Jad really far into the mix. And so you can't hear his vocal or his lyrics. And that's. One of the things I really like with like half Japanese and some of his solo stuff, but but yeah, it's like a lot of times they just kind of like bury him in the mix. So he's got like this like really hardcore distorted thing. So it's just this like, you know, and that's sounds great. Yeah, and it just drives me nuts because I want to I want to hear Jad. That's why I bought the damn record. Mm. <laughs> I think that one of the things for me with music and discovering new music is that there's obviously there's so much music out there and 
there's so much music that I love and adore. And so when I listen to something that is okay or pretty good or even very good, there's a good chance that I'm never going to go back and listen to it again because there's so like why would I l- spend my time listening to something that I think is pretty good when there's so much stuff that I'm madly and passionately in love with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like Frank Chickens is a good example of that. Like it was good and I enjoyed it quite a bit, but there's there's so much stuff that I love so much more that it's probably never going to get uh another listen. No offense. No worries. Yeah, I mean, and that that's one of the things that I like about um Shuffle because I um, I, I've, I use iTunes and I have like, um, a really kind of complex, um, setup for my iTunes DJ radio playlist. I think I've talked about that before, you know, but, um, that's the thing that I like about it is that I do have like the, the, the madly and passionately stuff weighted, yeah. but I, I do like that it, you know, will put up some of the very good stuff. And once in a while, some of that very good stuff might even graduate to, you know, Love once I listen to it a few more times, you know, without actually necessarily going to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If it's inflicted upon me, <laughs> I'm generally curious what your playlist setup is. If maybe the, I don't know if you got time. We don't. I don't know if it will work if we did it on the show. But maybe like write up a blog post or something about it. Yeah, I might do that because yeah, I mean it'll it'll be boring to hear me like you know. Is it just a smart playlist in iTunes? Yeah, or it's it's a bunch of smart playlists. Okay, maybe take some screenshots or something. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, I have, like, have a couple of nested folders and stuff like that, and I just have it go through the the main folder of it. Or if people are over, I go to, like, the favorite artist's nested folder, which is, like, the more of the madly and passionately stuff that, you know, without some of the weird stuff that I have that's, like, because I also kind of like uh, having weird things come up, like, you know... Um, radio movie trailers from the 70s or, you know, number station stuff. And I don't know. I, I just find that kind of stuff interesting or, or you know, kind of weird samples that I like to come up just every once in a blue moon. Mm-hmm. So, but I know that that doesn't really go over well when you're having like a party or something. So. <clears throat> I know I'm very selective in, in what I allow to occupy my listening time. And um, there's a lot in my iTunes library that I've, Either I mean I cleaned it out a little while ago, but uh, there's a lot in my iTunes library that I haven't that I'm unfamiliar with. And if it came on shuffle, like if I put my whole library on shuffle and it came up, I would be like, "What song is this?" And I would not be able to identify it. Um, yeah, that happened a lot too. I'm like, what in the hell is this? You know, and sometimes yeah. it's good what the hell, and sometimes it's bad what the hell. But yeah, actually, that was like how I. Um, what was the the pick from the first show that I did? The what was it up? Uh, Propaganda, I think, or something, or yeah, that that was that was actually how I discovered that one. Is it it like uh, I think that was like my friend Lee had sent it to me, and I I never actually sat down to listen to it, but I it came up on like my iPod, and I was like, wait a minute, this is really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, funny you mentioned episode one because the Fatima Mansions are like it's probably still my number one favorite band that I've discovered since we started doing this podcast, um, and I still listen, put it on, you know, on a at least on a weekly basis. Cool. So yeah, they were real good. Mm. And it's a shame that uh, they're non-existent anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm at the point where, like, I know, Rich, I told you that uh, the Fatima Mansions were still, like, my number one crush on radio pick uh, <laughs> thus far. And uh, you told me to check out um, Cathal Coughlin's, you know, one of his other records or something. And I'm, I'm at the point where I'm afraid to do that because I don't want to dislike it. Mm-hmm. You, you and, won't. Uh, you won't. Because I love Lost in the Former West so much. And, you know, I'm still, I haven't gotten tired of it yet. So I'm still going to wear it out before I look elsewhere. I mean, at the very least, you got to check out some of the other uh, albums by the Fatima Mansions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will eventually. It's just I'm still, I mean, I'm still at the point where like the, the second half of the album, because originally, because I love the first half of the album so much, I would just like play the first four or five tracks. Um, yeah, like the first five before the title track. Um, I would just play those over and over again. So I haven't given the, the second half of the album as many listens. Uh, so I still got some some mileage to go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to th- the uh, stuff that's gone for me uh, that we got from that I got from you guys. Uh, oh, dinner! Something's a little uh, flubity on there. Um, sorry, trying to go through my recently added my playlist of everything that's recently yet been added, and suddenly everything's gone a little. Uh, not, I did something with some tags, and something's gone. Everything just exploded somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the Robbie Folks has been uh, something I, I've gone back to a fair amount. So. Which is which is a bit of a surprise. Cool, uh, uh-huh. and the and the Gautier actually too. That's good. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'm kind of looking through and just to you know kind of double check because I mean there's like like some of them it's kind of funny because like I, I like like with like you know Rich has chosen some of the albums that I that I haven't already love like you know like uh, Live at Leeds. So I mean, I don't know if that really counts or or. Uh, or uh, Andrew, you and like Yoshimi or Asia. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think like of the new stuff, I've got the the uh, whole uh, what do you call it allergies thing going on again. Um, I don't know. It's like I, I probably the rush. Honestly, I, I I'd have to go with that one. I think yes. That one, and uh, when you um, shared uh, uh, moving pictures with us, too, that was really good. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that w- that was nice that I was able to actually, you know, listen to them on their own merits, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, sometimes I do have a thing where you do kind of go, like, you know, meh, I'll, you know, it's Rush, Canadian for Led Zeppelin, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what, like, did I, ever, did I tell you guys about that where... Uh, um, my former boss who actually like, uh, passed away like shortly after he became our boss. Um, he was a really big shot in Canadian radio. And one of his, his things was, you know, like actually, you know, like figuring out like loopholes and stuff on the, uh, the CanCon rules where like you have to play like X amount of Canadian content, uh, up in Canada. Um, and which the thing is, is like, you know, the, you know, the Canadian content, you know, often doesn't break through for a reason. Yeah. And um, so it was like the, the, the joke was that, you know, everyone would always like play the hell out of like Rush or, you know, because that's, you know, one of the, the handful of actually like good bands that are can on. And he'd always say, you know, oh, Rush, Canadian for Led Zeppelin. So, yeah. I mean, moving pictures, yeah, is a great place to start and um, definitely more so than Clockwork Angels. Um just because it is, even the band will say like that's when Rush really became Rush, and it's they've said uh, in their documentary they say that 
that's the record where they really sort of became Rush in the sense of songwriting and in terms of playing um, to each other's strengths. And uh, they sort of were fully realized as individuals and at the same time, three individuals that contribute to one to rush like the true in the true sense of the word if that makes any sense at all yeah uh, do either of you guys watch archer yes uh, like krieger oh my god yes <laughs> it's i funny. have a because that was a yeah, the, for, when when you picked clockwork angels with fry listen to it that was immediately the thing that i thought of was krieger <laughs> <laughs> You should see my van. Um, yeah, the fir- I've only seen the first two seasons because they're on Netflix streaming. Mm-hmm. So I literally have them on like constantly. Like if I'm eating dinner like by myself, chances are I'm putting on reruns of Archer seasons one and two. Um, yeah, season three is awesome too. And there, there's more of uh, Krieger and his love of Rush, more van paintings. Uh, he mentions uh, YYZ at least like once or twice. <laughs> yeah. The thing is with... Uh, with Archer, like it takes, I don't know what your experience was, Matt, but for me, it took kind of like, you know, all these albums, it took several viewings to get it because like, I think me and my friend, uh, watched my friend and I watched it, um, watched seasons one and two and it was good. Like we, we felt compelled to watch both seasons on Netflix, but then it wasn't until I went back that I realized all of the subtle in jokes and running jokes and, you know, all that sort of thing. And now that I'm such a huge fan, like, I, I get the humor a lot more because I, I get all the running gags and the, you know, everything. Like, you don't realize that, like, they say, yup, or nope, like, constantly. And now I say that all the time, probably, to, which is probably very annoying. But, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like, too, that Archer isn't afraid to be, like, smart. I mean, there's, like, a lot of really obscure and weird references that are like to like random literature or it'll be the scrivener. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Sort of like, and it's one of the things that I like is that like Archer himself isn't stupid. Yeah. Just an asshole. (laughs) Just an asshole. Exactly. And like, he's, he's really good in the field. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like hyper competent. He's really smart. He's just a clueless dick when it comes to anything having to do with other people. And extremely selfish and everything. Yeah, my uh, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite scene is uh, I think it's in episode two, but it's when Pam gets kidnapped. Oh, and, uh, with the ocelot. Yes. Oh yeah. my god. I, yeah, I, that's the thing too. Is I love his love of animals. You know. I know. I say it all the time. Uh, I've never seen an ocelot. <laughs> I'm gonna put that in the show notes on YouTube, uh, and it won't. It's only a 17 second clip, and it doesn't really do the whole scene justice. But oh my god, the ocelot makes a return. Okay, great. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Look at those little spots. <laughs> oh my god. But you've never seen Archer. No, sorry. <laughs> oh my god, dude, you gotta. It's it's brilliant. Like um. It's by Adam Reed, who did um, Sea Lamb 2021 and uh, Frisky Dingo. And have you mm-hmm. seen uh, Frisky Dingo? No. no, I've seen Sea Lab 2021. Okay, yeah, totally. Um, like especially um, Andrew, go back to Frisky Dingo because it's very much like a proto Archer. Okay, I'll have to do that because yeah, I'm waiting. I'm dying for season three to come out on Netflix. But I get where are they now? Are they still in the middle of season three? Uh, no, uh, season three wrapped up a while ago. Like, okay. I, like I think I, season four will probably start here in probably like October or something. 
but but yeah like archer like i just i love shows like that where they're so well acted and well written it's just mm-hmm. and it's amazing too that i mean like most of the episodes are just written by adam reed like i guess he just like holds himself up and turns out archer scripts and yeah i don't know it's just so good like all of the all of the running jokes and the in jokes that i didn't detect at first yeah Ugh. i love it I guess this happens when we don't have a topic for the episode. That's good. I was glad. (laughs) We end up like talking about things that have nothing to do with music. (laughs) Well, I thought we're doing all right there. That it was fun. Mm -hmm. You know what's so good is the art, the uh, the scene, the the episode where um, the cancer medicine episode. Oh yeah. Um, Terms of enrampagement. Yes. (laughs) Oh, it's so brutal. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Rich, you need to get started. Do you have Netflix? No, no. Uh, it's good. Do you totally have <laughs> I mean, that would be awful if you, you did that. But, you know, yeah. I hear that like certain unsavory types have put put episodes of Archer on the Internet. On the Internet. Uh, Skytanic is my first, ep- my favorite episode of season one. Mm, yeah, that one that one is pretty good too. Like, <laughs> um, sweet Jesus, the helium <laughs> over and over again. Yeah, uh, they did an interview with uh, Aisha Tyler, uh, who's in that show on uh, Bullseye a while back. So I, I after read, hearing that interview, it did make me want to check it out. Just haven't had a chance. Yeah, yeah. it's really worth it, and she seems really cool too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I couldn't. What, is she in something else? It's in Mansi. <laughs> <laughs> that. That whole scene uh, where they're on the radio. Yes. It's just so good. (laughs) You ready? (laughs) Hey, Ray. Anyway, we shouldn't quote Archer in case people haven't seen it. Yeah. (laughs) But isn't Aisha Tyler in something else? Because I recognized her voice like right away from something. She's apparently been in CSI and Talk Soup and on Friends and Mm. tons of other things, apparently. Mm. She's a hot cartoon. Yeah. Like apparently, like um, all of the Archer characters are drawn from from like extras that they found. Hmm. Like I read an interview with like Adam Reed, and I think it was like uh, John Benjamin and Aisha Tyler. I think it was like that. Apparently, like Lana, the real Lana, is a Delta stewardess. Huh. Yeah, the vo- it's just the voices are so good, and the the I don't want to say the art, but like the. They like they're like realistic cartoons in a way. Like you can visualize like what the, exactly what these people would look like if they were real actors. Yeah, yeah. It just I don't know. The entire thing is so well done. I mean, I, and I I've always been a sucker for uh, cross cutting on dialogue. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's another thing I didn't re- I didn't uh, realize right off the bat, and now I'm like Ugh, every time. So yeah. tasteful. <laughs> yeah, I just love that because I mean it's it's something that like I mean I I know that we always have you know our own like sort of you know, weaknesses. And that's one of mine is I just love cross cutting on dialogue and they do it so well. Yeah. And that's actually like pretty much all of Adam Reed's have done that. Like C lab did that all the time. And so does frisky dingo and love Archer. Yes. (laughs) Okay. In fact, I would say that Archer is better than music. Fuck music. Well, I don't know if I would go that far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Let's have some perspective here. Uh, uh, no, it's it's crush on Archer from here on out. Crush on Archer. <laughs> I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm trying to think of more quotes, and I can't right now. 
Oh, that'll do, Piggly. <laughs> you can't tattoo a freaking baby. She is so annoying. <laughs> oh, my God. What's her name? Trinette? Oh. <laughs> baby. Uh, oh. <laughs> Maybe we should wrap this one up. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Otherwise, it's just going to spiral. Yeah. Out of control. Yep. <laughs> Five hours of uh, one hour of show, five hours of you guys quoting Archer. <laughs> All right. Hello, airplanes. It's blimps. You win. <laughs> All right, we should cut it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good to have you right. back, Matt. Yep, I'm good to be back. Yeah. Where can we find each other on the internet? I'm not on the internet. <laughs> uh, I'm at kittysteezes.com, kittysteezes.tumblr, where you can see a dog. Standing on two railings. Also, Twitter at Kitty Sneezes. And andrewmarvin.net and at andrewmarvin on Twitter. And I'm um, sanspoint.com, sanspoint on Twitter. Uh, want a breath mint on Tumblr. Want a breath mint.com, rather. And, of course, I've, I one thing I forgot in the last couple episodes is we, don't, we didn't mention the site, the our own official Twitter, or to review us on iTunes. A lot of people should definitely do that. Yeah. Yeah, we're at crushonradio.com, where there will be blog posts and stuff when we think of it. Crush on Radio's official Twitter at Crush on Radio. And yeah, write us a review, five stars on iTunes. Because, Just click the button. Yes, because Friend you us. love us. Yeah, all that crap. Blimps are terrible. Terrible.